Reinhard Bunke says, whatever the Holy Spirit, whatever the Holy Spirit does involves people in one way or another. God does nothing on this earth independently of human agency. That's why he wants us to be spirit-filled. Planting his spirit in believers links them into a system with him. They become power points on earth, ready for his action, and through him, through them, he accomplishes his will. They are like spiritual lightning conductors, bringing the powers of heaven down to human experience. I wonder how many here tonight want to be spiritual lightning conductors. Do, do you want to be agents, Lord, agents of his power into the human experience? Do you want to be vessels that he can use? I don't want a powerless Christian walk. I want to be a part of bringing power, the powers of heaven down to the human experience. How about you? For those of you who have not been with us uh, before, the last couple of weeks I've been, been talking about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. We've talked about John the Baptist and how he came saying, there's one coming after me that's mightier than me. What one whose, whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He said, I baptize with water, but one who's coming after me who will baptize with fire and with the Holy Spirit. We talked about how Jesus, while he was on earth, even though that was his mandate, even though we knew that one of the roles he was coming to play was to be the baptizer of, with the Holy Spirit, we never saw him baptize anyone with the Holy Spirit while he was here on earth. I read to you a, a scripture last week from, from John chapter 7 where Jesus stood at, at the feast and, and he cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And rivers of living water will flow from him. And then John added something in verse 39 that was very interesting. And, and I think almost an afterthought for him. He adds, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And so John was saying, Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out, but it's not going to happen until I'm glorified. And, and so we, we fast forward to what we've been studying, and we see Jesus telling his disciples to wait, to tarry. He appeared to them after he, he was resurrected from the dead, and he said, now you wait here, and, and don't do anything. You're going to be witnesses for me, but wait until you're endued with power from on high, until the baptism with the Holy Spirit comes. You need power, and you don't have it yet. And then the Word says that He appeared to them for 40 days, and that was important. We talked at length about that, and, and then He ascended into the heavens. Now that's where I want to pick up tonight. He ascended to, to, into the heavens, and, and then there was a period of days where He said, Wait! Tarry here until you are endued with power from on high. He said, there's a promise of the Father coming, and I want you to wait for it. So now we have those 40 days that Jesus walked on the earth after he, he was crucified. We, we know that we talked a bit about how the crucifixion was Passover. He was a Passover lamb that was crucified. He was the perfect spotless lamb crucified. A sacrifice, a once and for all sacrifice for our sins. And that, that 50 days after Passover came Pentecost. We talked about that. So we know that Jesus, after he was resurrected, spent 40 days on earth. And then he, was, then he ascended. 
And so we, we want to say 10 days later is what I believe. Hey, the, the, the disciples are sitting in the upper room. And then we know what happened. We talked about that and how the Spirit came and, and, and filled the place where they were meeting. And, and that's where we're going to pick up tonight. But, but, but I want to talk to you about Jesus tonight and his office as the high priest. And, and he ascended into the heavens. He's seated in the heavenlies right now. And he is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit. And we either need to decide as a body of Christ that we're going to accept the fact that He is the baptizer with the Spirit, Spirit, or we're going to devalue Scripture because Scripture is clear that Jesus' role, one of His roles, is to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You say, well, Rhea, why do I need a baptism with fire? Turn in on your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, and this is Jesus speaking here. He says, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. He says, assuredly I say to you, there's none born of women who, who is greater than John the Baptist, but you, you and I, who are least in the kingdom of heaven, are greater than he is. Well, what does that mean to be least in the kingdom of heaven? What, what is all this talk about the kingdom of heaven? We, we hear Jesus say the kingdom of heaven is near. We hear him say you can cast out demons. You can heal the sick because the kingdom of heaven has come near. He tells the disciples to go and proclaim the kingdom of heaven. You and I are called to proclaim the kingdom of heaven. Do you know what the kingdom of heaven is? We talked about this earlier, maybe in September or October. We talked about the kingdom of heaven being the rule and reign. The kingdom is a, is a place where a king rules. We know that. But we're not talking about a place here. We're talking about authority. We're talking about power. He's saying the power. You can go heal the sick. You can go cast out demons because the power of heaven is near. Do you understand that the kingdom of heaven is in us? The Spirit of God lives in us. We, we talked at length about the, the power and the authority that's been given to us to use the name of Jesus, to, to, to use the power that lives within us through the Holy Spirit, that when we reach, we're reaching with the very hands of God. Do you understand that? And I believe that if we really had a revelation, if we really understood what the kingdom of heaven looks like, the dominion and the authority that is ours to use in his name. If we really understood that. You know, we, we talked about Adam and Eve and how when Adam was created, God gave him authority. He gave him dominion in the garden. And, and, and he gave that away. The enemy came and he tempted. And Adam and Eve fell for it and they lost their dominion. They lost their rule. They lost their authority. And so the Bible says that, 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 that the prince, that, that, that Satan is the prince of this world. That this is his, that, that he rules, that this, he is the God of this world. Do you, do you understand that? That he had authority, he had power. But when Jesus came, oh, I just love it. What is that scripture that says the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing? Where, where is that at? Uh, uh, Matthew 11, it goes right under that, that verse, I think it's 12. It says, from the time of John the baptizer until now. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. 
and forceful people have been seizing it. Oh, I love that because you know, do you know that, that while the enemy had power, he got authority back from Adam and Eve and, and, and he began to use that in this world. But I'm telling you what, the Bible says that when Jesus came, when that Passover lamb came, did you know what he came to do? He came to destroy the works of the devil. Do you understand that? That that was his mission. I came, he says, to destroy. It means to nullify. It, makes, it means to make of no effect. It means to take power back. Do you understand that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil? Do you understand that you see if we really get that deep in our spirit, if we really understand that the authority and the power, the kingdom of heaven is near, it's in us, that Jesus came to defeat, to destroy the power of the enemy, to deprive of authority, that means. So from the time of John the baptizer, when he announced the coming of Jesus, until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. And forceful people have been seizing it. There's a million commentators that will give you a lot of different ideas about what that scripture means. But I'm telling you what I, what I know it means. When Jesus appeared on the scene, from the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful people have been seizing it. God's rule and his power and his authority have been forcefully advancing. He's taking back what the enemy tried to steal. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? I, the, the kingdom of heaven is near, and I believe if, if we just understood the power and the authority that is ours, the Bible says that the Father is pleased to give us the kingdom, to give us authority, to give us power, to give us rule. Do you, do you understand that? Do you know what you have in you through the power of the Holy Spirit? You see, I can keep teaching you about the gifts. I can keep teaching you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But if you don't get the fact that you have power and that you have authority, when, I, when, when we pray for you, to, 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 when, we, when we talk about the gifts of healing, the gifts of healing, it's not going to mean anything to you because you don't understand you've got a power, you've got authority. That the enemy who brought that scheme, that plot against that person, he's defeated that Jesus came to destroy that work and he's going to destroy it through you. He's going to use you as a mouthpiece, as a hand reaching, Amen. as one who's coming in and forcefully taking back what the enemy tried to make his. Dave and I were talking, I, I, I was saying, you know, sometimes I think we as Christians give the enemy way too much credit. And, and we, we run from the enemy. I, I will tell you, you will never see me run from the enemy. The Bible says to resist the enemy and he will flee. It doesn't mean to run from him. It means to stand and oppose him. To resist him. To, to stand firm and not be moved. And I'm telling you, we have got to learn to resist him and not run from him. Do you understand who you are? Do you know the power and the authority that you house? You house the holy. He lives within you the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Lives within us. And I can preach to you too. I'm blue in the face about the gifts of the Spirit. But if you don't get it, if you don't understand the power at your fingertips, that the Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. The rule and the reign, the authority. Uh, he says in Luke 10, 19, all authority has been given to you to, to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing can harm you. Amen. Memorize it. Get it in your spirit. We have a dog. His name is Armani. And 
He's probably, what, about 80 pounds, Dave, something like that. He's a big dog, and he's the sweetest dog in the whole wide world, and he loves to go out and walk our neighborhood, but, but he, he really doesn't have good doggy etiquette. He doesn't. He, he, he just doesn't. He's not very good with dogs, and, and so I hate to walk him because he, he can take me across somebody's yard. I mean, he's just big, and he's strong, and so Dave always walks him, and he came home not long ago, and he was telling me about... Uh, this little dog that came tearing out the yard after Armani. Just and Armani's massive. And and they're walking and Armani just stops and looks at this yippy dog. And he's coming tearing, tearing out the yard after Armani. And and I just want to say one paw of Armani on that dog would have smushed him. And but yet this dog, he's yippy and he thinks he owns the place. And he is just tearing. Dave said he just went ripping out of that lawn after Armani. And Armani just stands still and he looks up at Dave like, can you believe it? <laughs> and then Dave says, Armani went, Whoop. And the dog, little tail between his legs, right back to his own. And this weekend when I was studying that scripture about resisting the enemy, I thought he's yippy. He's just a yippy little dog. And you and I, you know what would happen if we went running away from that yippy little dog? He would have followed us like he owned the place. But Armani stood still. Whoa. One little roll. Tail between his legs, he went yipping back to his master. Resist the enemy. He's a yippy dog. He's a yippy dog. He's a toothless lion. Stand in your authority. Stand in your authority. The Bible says resist the enemy and he will flee from you. As Christians, we need to rise up and realize who we are and the power that we walk in. We need to walk in power and authority that we've been given to forcefully advance the kingdom of God. Do you want to be a part of forcefully advancing the kingdom of God? I do. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, there's Acts and then there's Romans. Right after the Gospels, you'll find the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. I have so much that I want to cover uh, tonight, but I felt like we needed to do a little review there. Um, but there's so much uh, that I, I just want to cover. Bear with me. I am a preacher at heart, and it's hard for me when I need to teach. And this is definitely one of those teaching nights. But... Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, I, I, I love the King James, I think it is, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together, the word says, in one place. Now, well, some of the scriptures will talk about unity there. And, and I will tell you, if you want to see the Spirit fall, it is going to be in a place of unity. I, I'm telling you, church, we need to grow up. This backbiting stuff, this gossiping stuff, this stuff of, of, of living in offense and, and all that garbage. We, if we want to see the Spirit of God fall in power. Now, now if you're not interested in that, 
if you just want to be, be dying and going to heaven and that's all you really care about, then, then tune me out right now. But, but if you want to see the power of God, the power of God fall, it will not be in a place of disunity. It will be in a place of oneness. They were all together in one accord. And the Spirit fell. He poured out His Spirit. The Word says that the day of Pentecost had fully come. I told you that Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. It's also known as the Feast of Weeks. You may have heard it called that. Or the Feast of the Harvest. Or, or the Day of First Fruits. Or uh, Shavuot, I think the, 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 the Jewish people call it. it. That means seven sevens. It's seven weeks after Passover is what that means. And, uh, and you, you will know that God commanded His people to appear before him in Jerusalem three times a year. One of those is Pentecost, the other is Passover, and the other is Feast of Tabernacles. That's why, if you keep reading in that Acts passage, you'll read that there were devout Jews from all over the nation that were there. That's why they were there, because God commanded his people. And remember Jesus, uh, when he was 12 years old and his family had all gone to Jerusalem, and, and they get, I, I always wonder how they got halfway home without knowing they, they lost him, but, but they realize they don't have Jesus, and, and he says, did you not know? that I would be about my father's business. That's why they were in Jerusalem, because it was, a, it was one of the feasts that was required for, for the Jews to appear in Jerusalem. So people came in for these feasts. There would have been people all over the place, and, and this was one of those feasts. The Israelites were to offer the first grains of the harvest. This feast celebrated the first fruit of the wheat harvest. It was a festival of thanksgiving to God, thanking Him for blessing their harvest. Now, I want you to think about that. Oh, I'm going to get ahead of myself. I need to stop. I want you to think there's scripture that talks about, in fact, turn over now to Hebrews 8.5. I, I just, you, you see, so much of what we read in the Old Testament is a shadow of New Testament fulfillment. Who knows that? We see the shadow in the Old Testament and we see the fulfillment in the New Testament. In Hebrews 8.5, it says, They serve as a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. These things were patterns or copies of heavenly things. Flip back to Colossians 2.16. It says, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath, these are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance, somebody say the substance, the substance belongs to Christ. Paul in this passage was talking about the feasts and the festivals, and he told us that the feasts were a shadow of the things to come. So let's look at that with what we're talking about here. I, I told you that Passover, it was a shadow. You see, all through the Old Testament, are you with me? Stay with me here. I promise I'm going somewhere. All through the Old Testament, we see the shadow. The Passover lamb, for example. Well, when the Israelites were leaving Egypt, they were they had, remember, they said, put blood on the doorposts of your house so the death angel will pass over. That's where it came from. So, so, so that your sin would be, would, would be passed over. Are you following me? And so all through the Old Testament scripture, we see the sacrificial system. Are you with me? It was a shadow. 
It was a copy of what we're going to see fulfilled in the New Testament. So Passover is now fulfilled in the New Testament when Christ came, died on the cross, the perfect spotless lamb, the once and for all sacrifice. There's never another one that needs to be made. It was once and for all. Because you see, the blood of bulls and lambs can't satisfy the wrath of God. It has to be the blood of Jesus. And it's satisfied it once and for all. It's finished. That's the last words he spoke on the cross. It was a copy of, of the Old Testament. It was a copy of what was to come. Pentecost. A copy of what was to come. I love that Pentecost, they had to, they had to bring a, an offering and they were two loaves of bread and they were leavened bread. I love it because it's a picture of the Gentiles and the Jews and they had to weigh them before the priest and I love it because Pentecost didn't just come for the Jews. It came for the Gentiles as well. But it was a shadow. It was a picture. Jewish tradition, I was telling the, the team tonight that I didn't know this, and, but, I, but the Jewish tradition says that the law was given at Pentecost. Did you know that? I, I didn't know that. And, and so I was struck by that. I kept thinking about the, the law was given at Pentecost in the Old Testament. And what came with the law? Death. But, but the Spirit was given at Pentecost in the New Testament. And what came with the Spirit? Life. Do you see the difference? And, and so the Old Testament was a shadow, a copy, of what was fulfilled in, in the New Testament. And, and I love that. I love that if you look back at when the law was given, and many of you will know this story, but, but what happened was Moses went up on the mountain, the Israelites were left behind, and the word says that they built a golden calf. They got impatient. They built a golden calf. And the Bible says that 3,000 people died that day. I love it. God says, you know, ask them who's with me. Ask them to come. Who's on my side? Because whoever's on my side needs to come right now. And the only people that came were the Levites, the priests. And they come and they take a stand and every 3,000 people die because of that. Fast forward to the New Testament, the book of Acts, Pentecost. How many people were added to the church that day? 3,000. You see, it was a copy, a pattern in the Old Testament for what we see in the New Testament. I believe in Acts 2 we see a pattern that's even better, and this is where I want to park tonight. You see, the Bible says they heard the sound of a rushing mighty wind. I, I love this. T.D. Jakes, one of my favorite preachers, he says people with hearing problems almost always have a speech impediment. Our ability to hear gives us the ability to articulate and enunciate. The same is true of the Spirit. We must hear before we can speak. At Pentecost, they heard a sound from heaven, and they began to speak in tongues. I have a friend, Mike, who's deaf, and, and even though he's deaf, his ears don't work. You, if you talk to Mike, he has a speech impediment. He, he can't speak clearly because, because he doesn't hear clearly. And the Bible says that when they were, in the, they were together in the room that day, when the rushing mighty wind came, they heard the sound from heaven. They heard it first. And then they began to speak. You say, well, Rhea, what difference does that make? I promise you, I'm going someplace with this. You see, God said Israel could not hear him because they had uncircumcised ears. They were carnal. We can't live with a foot in both worlds and hear and understand the Spirit. We can live that way, but it will interfere with our hearing. We can be saved and going to heaven, but deaf to the things of the Spirit. Who wants to hear? I want to hear. 
I want to hear. God wants things manifested on earth as it is in heaven. And he always uses sound as a pattern. In Exodus 28, we see that. We studied, uh, we, we, we studied that. If you have your Bibles, turn open to Exodus 28. I want to talk to you just a bit about a couple different things, the different patterns that we see here. But we see the wind. We talked about this a, a few weeks ago and, and how when, when God created Adam, he breathed whoo, the breath of life into him. We, we talked about Ezekiel 37 where the dead bones were there. And, and he says Ezekiel prophesied to the wind. And the wind came and blew breath into these dead bones. And we talked about how that word is the same word. And, and then we see the, the wind now in the upper room. We see the wind wherever they were. Whether it was the upper room. Some people think they were still in the upper room. Some people think they were in the temple courts when this took place. But wherever they were meeting, the, the, the sound of a rushing mighty wind came and filled that place. It's that same word. The breath, the mighty wind of the Spirit. Breathe on us, Lord. Breathe on us. The word says it filled the place where they were meeting. And it, it means to render full, to complete, to fill to the top so that nothing shall be wanting. To fill to full measure. Anybody here want filled to full measure? Full to the brim. That's what I want. I want more of him. You say, Rhea, when you receive Christ as your Savior, you got all of him you could get. You're exactly right. But I want a fresh infilling. I want power from on high. I want power. I want power from on high. I want the power of God to be made manifest in my life. The Bible says be ye filled. It means a continual filling. It means I go before him Lord, fill me afresh and anew. Immerse me in your spirit. Immerse me in your power. I'm telling you, that's why nobody wants our Jesus anymore. Because we are not immersed in this power. We don't look any different than the unbeliever does down the street. Because we don't know what it's like to be walking in his power and his authority. And that's what's going to change this world. That's what's going to change. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. And we need to lay hold of it. We need to lay hold of it. I want to be a part of it forcefully advancing. So the word says that the wind filled that place and then tongues as a fire. Oh, I want to just I want to just talk about that for a moment. Remember, John said, one who's coming after me will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. It's the same word. It's the same word here. You see, in Bible times, fire would fall on the sacrifices to prove that they were acceptable to God. When you saw a priest take a sacrifice, you'd see him go into the Holy of Holies, and the word says that the fire would fall on it. You, you see, when, when um, who was it? Elijah what was, was um, with the prophets of Baal. I think it's in 1 Kings 18, and, and I love that story. It's one of my favorite stories where he is just making... He is making fun of them. It's so, so cool. One, one, one place he says to them, where's your God? Is he in the bathroom? Is he relieving himself? I just love it. There's such great sense of humor in the word of God. But, but at any rate, Elijah is taking on the prophets of Baal. Let's see what your gods can do. You think your gods are so hati-tati? Let's see what they can do. They do absolutely nothing. And then Elijah, he takes this, 
that he builds an altar and he, he digs a ditch around the altar and he puts the, the, the sacrifice on it and he says, let's see whose God will answer by fire. Who knows? We have a God who's an all-consuming fire. He answers by fire. Oh, I just am so thankful that we have a God of power like that. And, and Elijah, he builds this trench around the sacrifice and he says, let's fill it with water. I want to go get some water because you're going to know when this happens, there's going to be no ifs, ands, or buts about it that my God did this. And so I, I, I don't want you to think it was a quickie thing. Go get me some water and fill this trench. And I think he went back like three times and he douses that there's no hope for fire to come. It's wet. It is soaking wet. It's filled with water. There, there's no likelihood that that thing is going to ever burn. And I love it. Elisha called on the Lord. And the Bible says that the fire fell. And it licked up all the water in that trench. And it consumed the sacrifice. Oh, we have a God who answers by fire. Over and over we see David, he, he, he did something wrong. He took a census of the people and he was sorry that he did it. And the Lord said, build an altar. And he built an altar. And, and he said, Lord, I'm sorry. Just, just please know that I'm sorry and, and answer me by fire. And, and he put a sacrifice on him. Boom, the, the sacrifice was, was overcome by fire. It was a God saying, I accept that sacrifice. That's what the fire was all about. You say, well, Rita, where are you going with this? Types and shadows. Types of shadows. Remember, we are to present ourselves as what? A living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Sometimes I think, uh, if you look at this story, it says the place where they were meeting was shaken. And do you not want God to shake us? I, I want anything that can be shaken to be shaken from me. I, I want Him to remove anything in my life. That uh, There's a scripture that talks about how, how we'll stand before God and everything that can be burned away will be burned away. Things that aren't lasting. Oh, we're wasting our time investing in things in our life that aren't lasting, that won't stand the test of the fire. That when we get before God, it'll all be burned away. And we'll just escape as one, one, just by the skin of our teeth. That's what the Word says. I don't want that. I want lasting work. I really don't care about the best sale at Boston store. I don't care about how far up you've got in your company. I really don't care about how big a boat you have or how big your house is. I don't care what kind of car you're driving. Here's what I want to know. is What are you building in your life that's going to stand the test of the fire? That you're going to stand before God and it's going to be lasting. It's going to be lasting. I want lasting. Do you not want lasting? Anybody besides me want lasting. He's a God that answers with fire. Oh, I, I promise I'm going someplace with this. Did you turn to Exodus 28? Yep. Exodus 28. Exodus 28 is talking about the high priest garment. Now remember that Jesus is our high priest. Remember that, that he is the high priest forever of the order of Melchizedek. And re remember that, that he is now seated in the heavenlies, ever making intercession for us. Remember that he's a high priest that, that, that they can sympathize with us because he was tempted in every way that we were tempted, and yet he was without sin. Remember, he's our high priest. And here we're talking about, about the high priest's garments and Aaron's garments. And, and it's in verse... Uh, Chapter 28, and, and let's just, I just want you to just look at one little passage. He, he says in verse 2, 
Then bring near you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron and your brother for glory and for beauty. And then he tells them, he describes what, what they should look like. And, but, but what I really want you to see here is verse 33. He, he's describing the, the, the garments and what they should be made out of and, and how beautiful they should be and, and, and what, they need to, what needs to be included on them. But in verse 33, and, and this is where I'm going with this teaching tonight, on its hem you shall make pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet yarns around its hem with bells of gold between them. A golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate around the hem of the robe. And it shall be with Aaron when he ministers, and its sound shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord, and when he comes out, so that he does not die. Alright, stay with me. I have some pictures up here that I, I want you to see. Uh, just pick some of these up or pass them around, however you want to do it. On one side... Uh, uh, I have a picture of the high priest's garment. And it's exactly what I just described to you, only it goes into further detail. But what I want you to focus on was the fact that the high priest's garment, around the, 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 the hem, they, they had a gold bell, a pomegranate, a gold bell, a pomegranate, the whole way around the hem. So, so when the high priest came into town, you, you, you're never going to be a, he, you know, he would announce he was coming just by those bells. They would ring as he came into town. You, you would always be aware he was there because you'd hear the bells. Oh, are you with me? And so they would, they would bang together. Now, now on the other side of this, I have a picture of a bell because I was struck by this. Do you know the parts of a bell? I, I didn't know this. Do, do you know that the bell has an eye? And ears. Do you know that the bell... Now, I got this right off the internet. Do you, do you know that the bell has a neck? Do you know that the bell has a body? Do you know that the bell has a lip? Do you know that the bell has every part of our body on it? But do you know the part that rings? Do you know what it's called? Not the clapper. That's what we know it as. But do you know what it's really called? The real name? A tongue. Okay. Some of you are already there with me. This was a headbanger for me. Because all around the high priest's garments, who is Jesus? The high priest. Where did he go? You see, the high priest, oh, oh, come on. Guys, come on, you're smarter than this. We talked about the tabernacle. And the only person that could go into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God, one time a year, <laughs> one time a year, on the Day of Atonement, at one minute, at one with God, was the high priest. And when he went in, do you know why he had bells on his garment? Somebody tell me. Because when you get into the presence of God, what happens? Oh, you better be full of reverence. The, they, they were so afraid of going into the presence of God. Oh, aren't you so glad we don't have to be afraid that we can come boldly into his presence because of what Jesus did. But you see, in that time, they, 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 weren't, they didn't have Jesus. And so the high priest, he went in one time a year, and they were so afraid that God would not accept the sacrifice, and God might knock that priest dead, and he would never come out. How would they know if he was dead? Somebody tell me. The bells, the bells would ring. He's still alive. He's coming out. God must have accepted the sacrifice. Oh, anybody's hair standing on their arms like mine is. You see, Jesus, the sacrifice. He's not only the high priest. He is the sacrifice. 
He is the sacrifice. And you see, he took that sacrifice and he ascended into heaven as the high priest. And he went before God. And God accepted the sacrifice. And in that upper room, all wait for power from on high. Because who's the baptizer? Jesus. Who's pouring it out? Jesus. He's seated. Peter says later in this passage, he says he's seated at the right hand of the Father, pouring out, pouring out his spirit. He's seated because it's done. It's finished. He's finished his work. And he took that sacrifice and it pleased the Father. The Father accepted the sacrifice and he's a God who answers by what? Fire. What fell in the room? Tongues of fire. What did they speak in? Tongues. What are the bells? Oh, the high priest bells are ringing. They're ringing. They're ringing. It's finished. The work is done. The sacrifice is accepted. We are at one with God. And it didn't just happen that day in the upper room to those disciples because it was a once and for all sacrifice. The tongues of fire are falling on us. The bells are ringing in us. He is speaking, saying, it's accepted. The high priest has entered the room. Do you hear it? He's announcing his entrance. Do you not want him to announce his entrance in your life? Do you not want that? Who in their right mind will not want this? The bells are ringing. But here I want to just caution you. What was the other thing around the garment? What are pomegranates? Kendall knows this. Kendall loves them. They're what, Kendy? They're, they're fruit. And what's inside of them that you love so much? They're filled with what? Seeds. She loves pomegranate seeds. And in one pomegranate, do you have any idea how many pomegranate seeds are in one little teeny tiny? It's one preach, is it not? Are you with me? It's fruit. The bells, the fruit. The bells, the fruit. The bells, the fruit. The gifts of the Spirit, the fruit. The gifts of the Spirit, the fruit. The gifts of the Spirit, the fruit. You see, if we didn't have the fruit in the middle, what would happen to those bells? Clang, clang, clang. And two bells clanging together, making a clanging sound. What does that remind you of? Somebody who knows scripture, tell me. Oh, come on. Without love, you are a what? A, a resounding gong. A clanging cymbal. Oh, please. I know I'm not a teacher, guys. Are you getting this? Is this rocking your world like it did mine? You see, bells, tongues. Here's, here's what happens. I'm just going to be brutal. Can I just be brutal? I mean, you know me. I, I'm a charismatic. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I don't hide it. It's who I am. If you don't like it, go someplace else. For a Bible study, I really don't care. But, but, but I am. I am. I'm a tongue talker. I, I'm not ashamed of that. But, but here's what bothers me. Here's what gives charismatics a bad name. And I'll just be honest because I am one. It's all about talking in tongue. It's all about the gifts of the Spirit. It's all about, look at me and how super spiritual I am. And there's absolutely not one speck of fruit in your life. And you are so consumed with the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, that the seed of God's Word, that pomegranate was filled with seed. Filled with seed. And it's such a picture. You see, it is a, what did I say? It's a copy. It's a, it, it's a, it's, it's a type and shadow of the fulfillment. And he's saying, if you're going to be a bell, if your mouth is going to be used for me, 
you better make sure it's balanced. It was evenly balanced. Evenly balanced. Do you know that the fruit of the Spirit and the nine, uh, man, the ninefold gifts of the Spirit? Balanced. Balanced. Evenly balanced. Otherwise, we're going to clang. We're going to clang. That's why as we begin to study the gifts of the Spirit, I'm going to talk to you about order. Order. Ask anybody that knows me. Ask my team. They'll tell you. They're all charismatics as well. And they will tell you, team, what is the most important thing to me? Order. Order is vital to me. Because without order, you're going to be clanging. You're going to have bells clanging together. And he's not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. Of order. And so we've got, we've got the pomegranate. The bells and the fruit playing off each other. Do, do you love it? That's not Rhea making that up. That is, that is the type and shadow. That is what it's all about. The word says that, that, that if you look at verse, oh, somebody, 35 in Exodus 28, it says, And its sound will be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord. If no bells were heard... <laughs> The priest was dead. Aren't you glad that we have a living God? Aren't you glad that, that our, 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 our high priest ever lives to make intercession? He is alive. And every time the bells sound, every time your mouth is used for his glory, the bell is sound. He is alive. Let people see that he is alive in you. You see, when he was in the Holy of Holies, the high priest was invisible to the people. All they could hear was the bell. Can I tell you that, that, that he might be in the heavenlies, in the whole in the place where the presence of God is, but, but the bells are resounding in us. In us. In us. Remember I told you that Pentecost was to celebrate the harvest. The harvest. The gifts of the Spirit, the baptism with the Holy Spirit was not given so that you could speak in tongue. That might be a benefit of it, but that's not why it was given. Why did Jesus say to his disciples, wait in Jerusalem and tarry for what? For power. The baptism with the Holy Spirit is given not so you can have the super spiritual, look at me, I'm, I'm all that in a bag of potato chips, super spiritual. I really don't care. What I care about is are you walking in power? Are you making a difference in the kingdom? Are you building up the body of Christ? That's why the gifts are given. It's not given so that you can, can all get together and, and have this little, you know, Holy Spirit downpour session. It's given to forcefully advance His kingdom. To take back territory that the enemy has stolen. To take back authority and power. Can I tell you that every last time I pray for somebody who's sick, I am fully aware. Fully aware that it is about taking back territory that the enemy has stolen. You say, well, Rhea, we all get sick. I, I don't believe that's the way God wants you to die. I'm sorry. I believe that it's appointed to man to die once and then face judgment. But you will have a hard time taking me through Scripture showing me that God wants you sick. I just don't believe it. And I believe that, that's, that that is a gift of the Spirit. It's, it's forcefully taking back territory that the enemy has stolen. I have a scar on my face to prove that the enemy will not win. 
territory he tried to steal that I took back in the name of Jesus. Do you understand the power that we have? But it's all about forcefully advancing the kingdom. It's not so that you, oh, you'll hear, you'll hear me as we go into these gifts now. It is not about, look how great I am, look how super spiritual I am. I really have so little time for that. I, I don't care if you're a prophet. I don't care if you, if you pray for somebody and they got, they, 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 I have the gift of healing. Well, rock on with your bad self. Let's see the power. Let's see the power. Let's see the power. And I'm telling you, that's what these, the gifts of the Spirit, we, we get such, there's such controversy, there's such division in the body of Christ over this. And if we stop battling that way, and we just started walking in the power that was ours and in the authority, people would have a hard time ever discounting it. Because they would see it at work in your life. They'd hear the bells ringing. They'd see the fruit, the pomegranates in your life. And they would want what you have. And that's what this is all about. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about tongues. I'm going to talk to you not only about the gift of tongues, uh, with the interpretation, I'm going to talk to you about the prayer language, a, a prayer language of tongues. The, the, the Bible says that we can pray with, with the, with the uh, language of man and of angels. I'm going to talk to you about the language of angels and what that looks like. And, but, but here's what I want to tell you. There's a scripture that says, if any man asks a father for, for a loaf of bread, would he give him a stone? If he asks for a, a fish, would you give him a, would, would he give him a serpent? And, and how much more, if you're an earthly father, you, you give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give his Holy Spirit to those who ask? And I think sometimes when we start talking about some of the gifts of the Spirit, some of you might get a little freaked out. You might say, I, I heard that one time and I was freaked out by that. It's just because you were uninformed. It's because you weren't taught properly. But His gifts are never something to be feared. There's something to be embraced. There's something that He wants to, to give to you to forcefully advance His kingdom. And so don't, I love the, 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 uh, the scripture that says you've not come to a mountain. Where is it at? In Hebrews. Somebody tell me. Uh, in Hebrews. Where you've not come to a mountain that can't be touched. Where is that scripture at? Does somebody know? It's like Hebrews 12. Lord. Can somebody just find that for me? What is it? 12, 18 through 29. I, would, I just want to read that to you in closing. Hebrews 12, 18. Uh, you, you have to know that in um, when Moses was with the Israelites in the wilderness, and he would go up the mountain to talk to God, the people would say, we don't want to talk to God. We don't want to hear his voice. You go listen for us, Moses, and you tell us. Uh, we, we don't want to come near. Uh, in fact, over and over we see in the scripture where the word says that they stood at a distance from God. They feared him. Do, do you see that there was an element of fear? Moses, we don't, we don't want to go near. You just go find out and you come back and tell us what he says, okay? So, so remember that because as we read this scripture, that's what it's referring to. He says, for you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages may be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. 
Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you, but you have come to a Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable angels and festive gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, see to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking." He's saying, the Israelites, they, they were afraid. You see, they didn't come close. They, when you come close, that's a picture of intimacy. You see, if you really want to hear, the word says that they heard a sound of a rushing, rushing mighty wind. They heard, if you really want to hear so that you can speak, you got to get close. you got to get intimate. And, and you see, the Israelites, they wanted to stand at a distance. And I promise you, if you want to stand at a distance from God, if you just want to say, Rhea, you just hear from him and you tell me what he says, it's fine. You can live like that, but you are going to never taste the power that he wants to pour out on you. He says, you've not come to a mountain that can't be touched. You've come, then he says, I want you to come boldly into my presence. I want you to come boldly. I want you to ask boldly. I want you to come boldly. I, I want you to find help in your time of need. I want to be that for you. Do you, do you understand that, that he's done everything? The veil was rent. The veil was ripped so that we could approach him. So that we didn't have to have a high priest go on our behalf. So that we could come boldly. He says, you are a royal priesthood. You come. You come. He's not a God to be feared. His gifts aren't to be feared. They're powerful. And they will change the world for him. Remember Reinhard Bunke said, God never does anything without human agency. He uses us. He could. I'm sure he could. I'm sure he does. But he wants to use us. And that's how he does it. puts the gifts of the Spirit in us. And he says, now you go and you forcefully advance my kingdom. Use those gifts. The word says that signs and wonders will follow those who believe. Not might, they will. Do you know why signs and wonders? Jesus didn't do signs and wonders to just, you know, brag on his power and boast on who he was. Why did he do it? To draw people. To draw people. And I'm telling you, as you begin to function in the gifts of the Spirit that we're going to learn about in the next couple weeks, people will be drawn to the message you're speaking because they see the power of God at work in your life. Do you not want that in your life? Do you not want it? So, Father, we just, we are hungry. I'm hungry for more of you. Lord, I'm not satisfied with what I know about you. I want to know the secret things of God. I want to know the mysteries of God. And so, Lord, I'm coming boldly. And I'm asking, Father, that you just pour out your Spirit on these people. Lord God, pour out your Spirit on me. 
Father, I pray that the place that we are shaken in the weeks and the months to come, where we're meeting, Lord, would be shaken. Shaken by your presence. Shaken by your power. Shaken by your spirit. Lord, those disciples were night and day different when they came out of the room that time. They were different because of the Spirit of God that rests on them. Lord, make us different. I pray that your fire would fall and your winds would blow, Lord God, and that you would saturate us, Lord. Saturate us with your sweet Holy Spirit. Immerse us, Lord, in more of you. I want to be immersed in the more of God. I want to be submerged in your Spirit. I don't want to leave this place the same person I came. Lord God, I want you to shake me. I want anything that can be shaken to be shaken from me, Lord. remains, Lord, to bring you glory and honor and praise. Pray for a melody, Lord. A melody in our life. Those bells, Lord. The sound from heaven, Lord, that fills our life, that fills our mouth, Lord God. I pray that it would be a, a beautiful melody, Lord. Balanced balanced by the fruit of your spirit, Lord. Oh, Lord, we want to be weapons, weapons of your warfare, Lord. We want to be arrows in your quiver. Sharpen us, Lord. Father, I pray for every person in this room, Lord. I pray that, that, that you would just begin a work in each one of us, Lord, like you've never begun before. I pray for a stirring of your spirit in the hearts and the minds of, of every person in this room. Lord, I pray that we would not be the same. Lord, I pray for your fire to fall. That you would purify us, purify us a people for yourself. Burn away, Lord, what needs to be burned away. Lord, I pray for minds to be open to the things of God. Lord, I come against every hindrance, every obstacle in people's minds. Lord, the tradition of men, beliefs that are false. I bind and break their power in the name of Jesus. And I speak revelation, a spirit of revelation, Lord, over every person in this room. Open the eyes of our heart that we might know you better. I pray, Lord God, as we read your word, that it would come alive. Father, that we would not be swayed by every wind of teaching, Lord God, that we would be steadfast in your word, strengthened and established in you. But Lord, I pray that we would not be moved. We would not be moved. Lord, I pray that your truth would be embedded so deeply in our hearts and our minds that we would not be moved. That we would know what we believe in. That we would be fully persuaded, Lord. That we would not back down or turn away. 
that we would learn what it means to resist the devil so he flees. Yippee dog, flee. of knowledge in each one of us, Lord God, that we would turn our ear towards wisdom. And Lord, that you would build an army that's a force to be reckoned with in this place. That the lives that are seated in this room would go out into the communities around us and, and that they would make an impact, a forceful advance of your kingdom, Lord God. people that are sitting here and they don't even know you. They don't even know you, Lord. That this is all foreign to them. I pray for an awakening, Lord. An awakening. I pray, Father, that they would come into the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that they would breathe the breath of life, Lord, like they've never tasted before. And that times of refreshing would come. That you would revive every soul in this place. And Lord, I pray for a revelation of who they are. That they would have an understanding of their glorious inheritance in you. That they would no longer be defined by what the world says they are, Lord. But Lord, that we would know who you say we are. And we would begin to live in the fullness of that, Lord. That our face would be set like flint to please you. Our eyes fixed on you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Make a tribe of overcomers in this place, Lord. Overcomers. Overcomers who testify to your power and your ability. Overcomers, Lord. No longer plagued by, by the things that you defeated, that you overcame. I declare and decree victory over this place. Victory over broken marriages. Victory over broken finances. Victory over broken memories. Victory over broken minds. Victory, Lord. We will not live defeated. For we are more than overcomers in you. Lord, let us stand up and learn what it means to walk in that truth. Not looking to the left or the right, which could have, should have, would have been. 
Lord, we thank you that you are more than enough. And that everything we need for life and godliness has been given to us. Teach us to tap into that, Lord. Teach us. Teach us to walk. To walk in the power and the authority that the Father, the Father is pleased to give us. We give you glory and honor and praise. Let your bells resound loudly in our lives this week, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name.